Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Hustle Middle East. Today we have Paris over here. Now Paris is the creative director of GID, which stands for Guy in Dubai. He's got his own TV show on OSN. Very soon it's going to be coming on Everett's, I heard as well. Yep, and yeah, we've also uh, just signed a contract internationally with a, a broadcaster called ORF, which is... Um, uh, the national broadcaster of Austria and Germany. Brilliant. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, um, so today we're going to find out a little bit about Paris's entrepreneurial journey. So before doing TV, he uh, he was uh, the CEO and founder of a couple of businesses, right? And uh, also we're going to learn about how to make a TV show and how to how that uh, works out and how how that happens. Yeah. So, um, so Paris, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, when did you come to the Middle East? Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, okay, so I came to the Middle East two hours after my last exam at university. So I... Um, <laughs> Which was where? Edinburgh University. Okay. So I had um, come to the conclusion um, in the last final couple of months of university when everybody's just trying to figure out what they're going to do after their exams. Um, even though I was studying finance and I did my master's and my CFA, um, the finance world was crumbling in mm -hmm. London. You know, mm -hmm. like I went to one interview and the guy seemed really happy. I said, by the way, how did I do? And he said, uh, yeah, great, Paris. And I said, so, you know, do I have a good chance? He said, well, let me just be straight with you, Paris. We fired 8,000 people today. Oh, and, my God. And I realized that um, it was a world that was just uh, not very welcoming of mm -hmm. uh, people coming out of university. So I had made the decision that I wanted to set up a business. Um, I had already established an entrepreneurial flair before university. Um, but um, I also felt that I needed, if I'm going to get international experience, I should do it early. And I needed to be in a faster growing place than the UK was at that time. Mm -hmm. And the fastest growing place in the world was Dubai at the time. Okay. And even though I had never been, I'd seen a lot of things about it. And I had started to put together the pieces of a business where I thought I had some funding uh, from somewhere. And we were going to set this up in Dubai. So we went on a recce. Mm -hmm. um, so two hours after my last exam... My mate Pete, who was my business partner, was was like, Paris, come on, the plane's about to leave. And I got on the plane, we came out here, and we spent uh, a week and a half here, mm -hmm. did a recce, decided that this is where we wanted to do business. Um, and then it took me about a year to get my affairs in order in terms of actually getting the investment secured and, and everything. And in the end, I took investment from um, an Omani businessman who was a very uh, successful businessman in Oman. Um, and... The plan was to utilize his office for the first six months mm -hmm. and then to move to Dubai because okay. we were setting up a price comparison site for insurance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so I had come to see that in the UK at the time, these aggregation sites, as they were called, which was essentially comparing, you could do it in any industry, but you mm. can compare different providers in one website mm -hmm. that right. that was useful to people online and people can then purchase and there was a whole business model for it. So, Which year is this? Uh, so we started this in 2009. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that so, was uh, quite ahead of its time then. Yeah. It in, was at for least this for the region. Middle East, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it was interesting because I had gone to some com uh, a conference when I was at uni mm -hmm. and it was basically the, these aggregators had just shaken up the whole in, insurance industry. And so I was like, mm -hmm. I need to do this. And <laughs> yeah. so, so all I was doing was copy-paste. And actually yeah. our whole business was copy-paste. We were looking at different 
portals saying, hey, I like what they've done there. Right, that's what we're going to do. Oh, I like their model for this. Oh, they make money that way. You know, and we just basically took the best bit of everything, put it into a, a model. Uh, we launched it in Oman um, and we never got around to launching it in the UAE. Okay. Um, in the end, I decided to uh, step back from it. We'd been we'd taken three years to mm. do this business. We developed the technology ourselves. We had mm. uh, sixty developers working in house for us. Wow, sixty uh, developers. Yeah, mm. it was a big operation. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, and this I, is very anti startup. Uh, well, we st well we. St started humbly i mean okay. first of all started lean okay. well it, first of all before i got the investment on i was a chef and i would <laughs> I, at the end of uh my shift i'd go to the mcdonald's where we had free internet and i'd be writing up my business plan and sending it to mohammed <laughs> okay. okay. and we were, we were we were grinding like that then when i when i finally to be honest i'd been telling everybody at home i'm going to move to the middle east i'm setting up this business so the go the, the 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 idea the, of failing was not not there exactly but yeah. it was also the 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 first level of success was when i was actually sat there in this office in oman and i yeah. didn't even right. know where oman was right <laughs> and now and i'm here and i'm like you know what i did what i said i was going to do even yeah. though we haven't made a drop of money just yet yeah I, i've everyone's now like wow he actually did that you know yeah but it's so, a bold move though moving to the middle east uh yeah. starting a business right off the bat I mean, yeah right a, out of uni that's yeah. pretty good yeah. yeah well looking back i realized actually how um how bold it was and i, I look back and quite impressed at how i did things back mm -hmm. then you know yeah. um so i moved into his office and he already had a team of about seven okay and then we started hiring um and um He, he was a good guy to learn from. He was cutthroat. He was mm -hmm. he was he was a hardcore businessman. He mm -hmm. um he did things the, uh, the you know he, he pulled up his sleeves and got got down with it. Um and you know I used to see him push around CEOs of massive businesses because at times he had been CEOs of massive businesses, but he'd right. now come back to work on. He's always want he always liked being an entrepreneur. Okay, so even though he. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they grow, mm -hmm. they then, you know, do investments and they work in large companies mm -hmm. um, and they, they like that safety. He, mm -hmm. he liked to sell it and then go back to starting again. Okay. So I, I did like that about him. So, um, so all this was muscompare.com, right? Yeah. So actually we had a group of companies. We had muscompare group. We had, mm -hmm. musk, um, we had a whole load of different portals um, mm -hmm. and we had a technology company called Fastlane Technology, which okay. was, again, it was all in the same group. We all, okay. We, we were all the same office okay. but we uh, had different websites for india for oman okay. uh, for uae and uh, then we had uh, something that we did specifically to to license our technology to insurance and bank and banks for them to sell their okay. own products okay oh, so we so that was what fastlane technology was so this was um you know i learned a lot from mohammed um mm. uh, that was that was uh, it was good but i mean looking back I, I, you know, I, I felt like I kind of outgrew it in a little bit. Okay. He was somebody who didn't strategize mm -hmm. and that was driving me crazy because mm -hmm. he, he would be like, Oh, this is what we're doing. And then we invest all our resources into that. And then, Oh, this is the next. And so like impulsive, he was very impulsive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was hard to actually have a sort of, you know, have a Direction. plan, mm -hmm. work towards that plan mm -hmm. and then achieve it and then move on. Um, and for that reason we spent a lot longer mm -hmm. um getting to the finish line and and that's 
part of the issue, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs do this, yeah. is they set the finish line and then they keep moving the finish line as they get closer. Mm -hmm. And that's a really dangerous thing, especially yeah. in technology, because yeah. you can run up massive costs in terms of development. For yeah. sure. You have yeah. to say, okay, this is where we are going to be happy enough to launch it for us to then start earning money mm -hmm. and then to start developing further. But we just kept developing and developing and developing. Yeah. Yeah. That's an agile methodology, right? Like yeah. you basically, you ship as soon as possible with as less features as possible, lean, and then you build on it. So yes. you know. Yeah, but I think also that uh, entrepreneurs need to have a happy balance of uh, being agile and being very strategic mm -hmm. because you keep hearing about how like if the market is telling you things, you need to pivot or you need to relook at your revenue model or relook at your business model. So I think it needs to be this happy balance of not doing it impulsively, but yes. if there are factors that are telling you that the finish line that you planned is not really there and you yeah. need to move. The, I think it needs to be that happy balance. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you'd be foolish to set out with a hard-nosed strategy about something, uncover an amazing opportunity and not mm. take it on. Yeah. So yeah. You, you need to do that. But at the same time with technology, you need a plan. Right? Yeah. So, so um, you know, from what we were doing, we we just needed a bit of a strategy. We were uncovering opportunities and taking them on, and that was mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. So um, so then I moved to Dubai full time because mm -hmm. yeah. for those three years that I was in Oman, I was back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, so I was I was very familiar with Dubai, and I'd been doing business here. But so it's been seven years full time here. Um, okay. Uh, I produced a few other businesses one was a leadership development business so that was rise that was rise uae where okay. we had a mainly focused on uh, a mentor program mm -hmm. and the mentor program was like a matchmaking service service where we matched whether it was an aspiring entrepreneur even a student mm -hmm. or it could have been the head of a major organization and we matched them with somebody who had already walked that path okay and, and who could talk from experience about um, you know, to guide them in terms of what they need to do. So it Does was this, different to coaching. Okay. Yeah. Does I, something I, like this exist right now? I don't know, actually. Um, yeah, I think it's still a good business model. Well, it you, you know what? It exists in some way or form, but our ambition for it was very high. Okay. So we wanted to be able to take the heads of massive organizations, and we did, and put them with people who had already succeeded in massive organizations of that okay. level. Right. So um, the target audience was C-suite. Uh, well, that was one side of it, but it was, it was just more more the, the 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 quality and the level of the mentors that we were having. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, for example, we had some people who were sports stars. We had one lady who was the first Arab lady to climb Mount Everest and climb okay. the seven peaks of of the, of the world. Completely different set of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had one guy, a very interesting guy called uh, Major Chris Keeble, who was the head of the British Special Forces in the Falklands War. Okay. And I did a lot of work with him, and wow. I really enjoyed working with him. He's a older chap. He must be about seventy six or something now. Okay. Um, and but fit as a fiddle, okay. right? Every day does two thousand meters on the rowing machine, and he had created a whole um, framework mm. for ethical leadership. Okay, okay. Which I I could sit there and listen to him for for hours. But his his stories of how he mixed leadership from a war zone, mm -hmm. which was. Um, generally a bad place but mm -hmm. he needed to make ethical decisions mm -hmm. um, and how he how he handled those uh, de uh, those decisions and then how you apply that, that in business. business that's very cool yeah it yeah. was very yeah. interesting so yeah he was he a great could write guy. a book i think i think he has yeah oh okay and, uh, yes. so what is the monetization strategy 
You charge the mentees? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was a paid service. So okay. that, and we took a cut, like a middleman. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was a. We, and was it one on one mentorship, or did they come and speak and inspire so several? Mentorship was one on one, but we did also do workshops okay. and training programs where we would often combine workshops that were specifically tailored to what an organization is trying to do okay. and that could be for you know their sales staff or um, we used to have an emirati development program which was for the young emiratis that were coming on board mm. um we uh, you know so basically it would be tailored to whatever it is they need okay. and then we would then have a mentor that would work with them with their personal development program mm. going forward because okay. the thing is is you can't solve a problem or develop somebody with a booster shot yeah it's an ongoing thing so yeah. you would you would do a large proportion of it within a workshop mm. but then continue it going forward for the next year or even two years okay yeah. i think this kind of happens right now mostly with uh, aggregators we see that uh, wamda launched wamda x as well and they yeah. have mentors uh, from different startups from namshi yeah but they're they're a different kind of thing they're grooming you to be a mentor so that they can so you can uh, be no. a founder of one of their funded companies no they're not grooming you to be a mentor they're, uh, they're, they're grooming mentors. you to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so now the mentorship aspect happens mostly through aggregators i would say and and incubators but it's still a yeah. a, a really mm. good model yeah. yeah so what happened with rise well i it mean it did not rise sorry <laughs> yeah well <laughs> it was too easy we picked up a lot of um uh we we did well in the period that we were operating okay the, the problem um actually ended up being a partnership problem me, okay. me and my partner didn't decide, didn't agree on one thing one day and uh, that was we had a few businesses together actually mm -hmm. um things that i don't always publicize because they never really took off mm -hmm. um there, there were things that uh, we were working on but didn't come to fruition mainly because we we clashed horns essentially and mm -hmm. uh for a couple of months it was very ugly and then we kind of shook hands and went different ways and uh um unfortunately that happens yeah 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 it does happen sometimes um, yeah. but it was a shame because we had a good couple of years of almost a perfect business relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was my mentor. Mm -hmm. okay. And, okay. And so it was, a, I think it was, a, a maybe that was half the problem. Um, at some point in a mentor relationship, the mentee starts to outgrow the, the mentor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or maybe starts getting a little bit um, too cocky. <laughs> um, and, um, and there starts to be a little bit of a, a rivalry there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, it is quite hurtful actually when you fall out because you yeah. look up to that person and now you're not getting on with that person and that person feels they've done a lot for you and that you're not appreciating it. Yeah. So it, it was unfortunately a bit of an ugly uh, uh, breakup for a couple of months and then, okay. and then we kind of said, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no point. All right. So no, I, just... I think a very important startup lesson over there uh, when it comes to founders working together. I think it's, it's true that if you are in a relationship where one person is aspiring to be like the other and then eventually wants to be an equal in business decisions, it can get a little bit. Well, that was part of the issue is, you see, when you are a chairman and a CEO, mm -hmm. there's a seniority mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. When somebody is a, um, a director or an employee, mm -hmm. there's a there's a hierarchy. Yeah. But when you're partners in a business, yeah. you're both shareholders, you, you can't let somebody 
feel that they have a senior yeah like, you can't be a pushover this is yeah. your this yeah. is your money this is your uh your, your shares this is your business yeah. therefore nobody can make those decisions for you so mm -hmm. in the end um i didn't on partnership issues mm -hmm. i only wanted to agree on what i wanted to agree on and yeah. uh, in the end you see if we hadn't fallen out at that time we would have fallen out unfortunately yeah. because it was the, the dynamic of things wasn't wasn't so good because okay. Because we had that uh, hierarchy mm -hmm. already set, yeah. becoming partners was um, uh, it, not, it didn't not a great decision. Complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to check one thing. So you went from um, technology-based, um, highly scalable kind of business, uh, which was your uh, comparison website, to being a very hyper-personal. Uh, you know, mentorship-led business. So why, why did you decide to switch so drastically between, like, business models? Well, I've always considered myself an entrepreneur mm -hmm. in terms of what is my role on this planet. Mm -hmm. And each business is a new project. And whether that is a aluminium plant in Ghana or mm -hmm. a um, leadership development business in the UAE or any other business, it's a project. Okay. And setting it up is almost the same process. You have because the thing is is no matter what your expertise in, is in something, when you're setting up a business in it, you have to learn it from scratch. True. You have to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. So now there are the industry specific elements to something, mm -hmm. but in all honesty, you don't need to be a doctor in those things in order to be able to set something up. You will need somebody who's an absolute expert. Yeah. But you can hire those people. Right. Um, and those people are probably so smart at what they do, they don't think they could ever do it. So they never mm. go and set things up. <laughs> mm. So um, they need somebody who is kind of doesn't care about the risk and willing to give it a go, mm. like yeah. me, to, to go see the opportunity. So I've always been very good at understanding where the supply and demand is and yeah. where the opportunity is. And then learning what you need to learn. Usually I find within six months of being in a business – I'm good enough to be able to be a somewhat of an expert. Somewhat of an expert. So you at least look like one. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm yeah. not one, but you know, I, I certainly learn enough that I'm able to you understand the industry. Yeah. Because with anything, it's so much better that you really, really, really understand the core fundamental uh, fundamental basics of something mm. than it is to understand all the tiny details. Yeah. yeah. And if you can really, un and what you find sometimes is some of the smartest people can't narrow it down to the what's important yeah. yeah and that's what i've always understood in um in business and entrepreneurship is understanding like just the very basic um problem uh, that you're solving yeah, exactly the basic mechanics of the business yeah. that's the most important or everything your else is key performance indicators yeah. 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 yeah 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 that's interesting like uh usually we've had uh, entrepreneurs that are subject matter experts and on that particular area of the business or like crazy passionate about it. But for you, that's almost secondary. It's like, this well, is yeah. the gap and I'm going to go after it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hate to sound like a snob, um, but you know, when I see people who spent 20 years as an accountant and then they go set up an accounting company, I don't consider those people entrepreneurs. Mm. 
Mm. You see, an entrepreneur, somebody who goes and sets up, is, is a business setter upper. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so, um, although those people have gone through an entrepreneurial experience that they're going to learn from. So, I mean, like I said, it's snobby for me to say that, but I consider entrepreneurs to be those people that ba- basically go around looking for opportunities, setting things up. Sure. And uh, they, and I pretty much feel that you can apply that in almost anything. Mm. Almost I agree. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So your next project was Koba Education. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So before we get into the interesting TV stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I'm going to tell you something a little interim part. Um, which is about the TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it was just before I set up Cobra Education that I had an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned that Rise UAE went down the pan because of a partnership issue. It got ugly. And at that time, I was thinking, you know, I'm not where I should be. Mm-hmm. I was going to be a billionaire by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of my businesses have now failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually got quite ugly. And I've invested a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Because when you set up businesses, you're not doing nine to five. Yeah. You're doing wake up till sleep and your weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time who never got any t- time. And she was mm-hmm. always complaining that I never spent time with her. And, you know, I was sacrificed. I remember sacrificing my Christmas day when she went down to her home where Mm -hmm. her mother had a terminal illness Mm -hmm. and she wanted me to come because she thought it might have been her mother's last uh, Christmas and my mother went to help look after her and I said no I've got to stick with the plan I you know I'm setting up a new business I can't let my partners down Mm -hmm. three months later my partners are trying to sue me you know and uh, uh, I realized that these kind of sacrifices are not worth it Um, and I thought to myself that I can't keep going on sacrificing the only thing I have which is my life and my time on the planet Mm -hmm. for some pot of gold Mm. at the end of it and this pot of gold is really when you think about money and things like this it's really just uh, freedom tokens Mm. yes the freedom to do what you want yes and so I thought about it I thought well what's the point of sacrificing your freedom Mm-hmm. you know you know, eventually work, get, get the freedom yeah, yeah. at a time when you probably won't be able to use it exactly yeah. so yeah. it's like saving sex to your old age it doesn't yeah. make sense right yeah. so like and also um it's a zero-sum game mm. yeah so i thought to myself i have to find a way to make a living or make a business out of the things that i love and i thought well what do i love Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a really tough question to answer mm-hmm. because we're conditioned, and certainly at university, we're conditioned to think, oh, I, I love doing this and I want to be a philanthropist and I want to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that mm-hmm. we, we start to get conditioned by society and the successful people that, we're, that we start to idolize. And then we forget what, what we really wanted when we were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, what yeah. was it that, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut or I wanted to be, you know, whatever it is, you know, sports mm-hmm. star, mm-hmm. singer, whatever it is. And so I thought to myself, well, I love travel, I love adventure, I love uh, uh, people, I love partying, I like having fun, basically. Mm. So I thought, well, how do I make a business out of this? And um, I came up with this idea um, Mm. called Guy in Dubai, which was Mm. a show. And I started putting the ideas together. And at that time, because I hadn't, I was kind of lost in terms of what my next business was going to be. I was trying to set up a few different things at once. Mm. And this one passion idea, Guy in Dubai, came came out of out of nowhere and i started talking with a friend of mine who was a videographer he loved Mm, it mm -hmm. and we started uh started uh working on the idea Mm -hmm. um now it ended up being that one of the other ideas got the money okay okay so when you're 
faced with someone now ready to invest in one of your business plans, mm. you've got to take it seriously. So that was Cobra Education. And mm. um, I partnered with a UK company and basically set up their Middle East office. And mm. we, we were partners here. Um, and it was interesting because now... Now I have a coach and a mentor and mm -hmm. he okay. managed to explain something to me because essentially what happened with this business was I worked like crazy for seven months, mm -hmm. uh, like an entrepreneur should do, uh, mm -hmm. got it on off its feet and, and we started, we made some good money at that point. Mm -hmm. I then expanded the business in terms of people. And then mm -hmm. I sat, sat back and I was hoping that they were going <laughs> to do the business for me. Okay. okay. And now I understand the whole mentality behind this now that a coach has run me through it. After my last business had failed, it was very important for me to prove to myself and to them and to other people that I was capable. I was capable. I was the missing link. Okay. It wasn't the money. Mm -hmm. It wasn't um, the help I had from other people. It was my entrepreneurial ability that made it was a success. So I was determined to do that. And mm. I did that and I made the money and I... In, in, increase my staff and, and so forth mm -hmm. but my passion was somewhere else yeah and sure. i had already figured out what my passion is mm. um and i think the nuts and bolts of recruiting teachers which is what this business was wasn't my passion mm -hmm. um now i enjoyed the business side of it mm -hmm. Um, I've always enjoyed the business side of it, you know, promoting the business, you know, we were getting it in magazines. We would, you know, we would, I was having fun with all that, managing the stuff. The media part of it. Yeah, I did the like PR. the media part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah and it I makes like, sense now. And yeah. I like managing the staff. I liked all that side of things. Because um, that's the same in all businesses. Yeah. But the actual act of recruiting a teacher and placing it in a position. It did that not satisfy you. That was it, did, it didn't satisfy <laughs> me, but I also had no skill in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't where I came from. It wasn't mm -hmm. my personality type either. Yeah. So at one point we actually had to downsize, which was you know, uh, you know, I had to eat humble pie, and then I had to really start pulling up my sleeves and and doing the nuts and bolts of the business. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember a quote by Steve Jobs, which was, "Passion is the most important thing in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. any rational person would give up." Yeah. yeah, because it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, it's a grind for now, sure. Yeah. Now I und and at the time I I didn't think that he was right, but then I started to realize he was because I could pull my sleeves up and grip my teeth and do the do the 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 gritty work for only so long yeah. in a business that you're not really passionate about the nuts and bolts of the business. Yeah. yeah, in a business that you're passionate about, you can do it as long as you want. Yeah. yeah. You love it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't pay you that well. Yeah. So you're going to wake up at six in the morning to go to Aquafun for Guy in Dubai. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. I don't, nowadays I don't feel like I work. Honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically that, that business started to, to dwindle and it dwindled and it was a really, again, an valuable lesson for me mm -hmm. that I, it, it was most important that, um, I work on my passion. Mm -hmm. okay. And so uh, in the end, we, we cut our losses with that business. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided that I have to uh, only do my passion. And okay. as an entrepreneur, you always have a lot of people who are, who are like, hey, you're a guy who can do stuff. Help me with this business. And, mm -hmm. oh, I need a director for this business. And you're always getting pulled left, right, and center. And, mm -hmm. and naturally, uh, you want to help people. Mm -hmm. and you want to be involved in things. Mm -hmm. I've realized that if you want to be successful, once you found your passion, that's the only thing you should do. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there's no point in having a side business. And my mom used to call me up and try and convince me that I need to have a plan B. And I'd, mm. I'd shout at her and say, Mom, there's no plan B. 
Ds, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's plan A but, or die. But right? die in Dubai was your plan B, which became your plan A. Well, correct. Well, I guess it was. It was the. It, it was, was a side hustle. Well, it to be honest, until the point where the other business had, we we cut our losses with it. It wasn't. It was just a an idea. Thing. Okay. Mm. Okay. I had started to create things on social media. Mm-hmm. Started changing my my name to Guy in Dubai, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's he doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to brand himself?" They didn't mm-hmm. realize I had a whole idea for a show. Like they didn't. Nobody knew okay. what my plans were with it. Okay. Um, and then when I created the show, they're like, "Oh, it's crazy that you've kind of turned your social media into a show." I was like, "No, it was always a show. Along. Always that, that that was the idea." And only when I um, created that void by getting rid of the other business and putting that aside, mm-hmm. then I had all my time for one thing. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't making any money, and I didn't know how to make any money from it to begin with. Mm-hmm. So um, it. It was scary, and I didn't have any money either mm-hmm. because I'd lost money in the last business. I mm. was nickel and diming, um, and it's you know. So what? you had no safety net. It had to work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I've been nickel and diming many times in my life, but it was okay when I was twenty-four. Mm. It was okay when you know at certain times, but then I'm what thirty-two mm-hmm. or thirty-one, something like this, um, and it was uncomfortable nickel and diming mm-hmm. when your friends have now just bought a house with a nice mortgage and they're getting mm. the cars and you know there i am you know dating girls and they're kind of like mm, you know like <laughs> so what exactly do you do yeah, and i'm trying to explain to them all the successful things i've done but they're looking at me now and they're like i'm not seeing it yeah. um and so you know you have to just realize that you know that's you're not gonna be very successful with women for a couple of years because you've got to get this thing on the go. Um, so no, I mean that, a lot of that's things. That's a big motivator, I think. Yeah, it, it was a big motivator, and um, you know what I did is I, I managed to barter my office for a month uh, for a year. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I bartered the gym next to the office, mm-hmm. and then I would run to the gym. So that I didn't, because I didn't have a car and I didn't want to pay for taxis. Or I couldn't pay for taxis. Mm-hmm. So I was that broke. Oh so I God. would run to the gym, I'd shower in the gym and then walk across to the office and then I'd work there till nighttime. And then I'd walk back and I'd walk through Satwa mm-hmm. and uh, and then over to Jumeirah 1 where I was living. And, you know, it was really difficult. What for, do you mean you bartered though? Like you told them you'd do content for them? Yeah, so basically, I um, did events there. Okay. Um, I created all their social media. I was also writing for the national newspaper, so we kind of I put plugged little, them, plugged yeah. them. So basically, I and I've always been very good at um, waggling these sorts of things. So okay. um, hustling, but, yeah, hustling. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. hustling in office for a year was was definitely one of my better hustles. So um, <laughs> and it was that really is great, pretty good. And it was yeah. a, it was on Sheikh Zayed Road in the Millennium Tower. It was lovely. It's amazing. So, um, and, but for me, it was very important because that was my place to work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I had a really good time doing that. So, um, you want to talk about the TV show now? How I got yeah, it set yeah. up? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically in order, one thing I had realized, and I'd realized this through social media, mm-hmm. that if you have an audience mm-hmm. that you can make money because Absolutely. whatever, whatever yep. it is, you know, um, you can sell things, mm-hmm. you can, um, whatever it is, you, you, you can make money. And I you can actually, sell Mindshare. Yeah. 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 Whatever it is. And actually, I learned this when we were doing Rise UAE, mm-hmm. when we set up a leadership event. And I was like, right, I need to get 100 people to it. And I sent out like 400 emails thinking 100 people will come. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that like 
only one person had signed up and, <laughs> and then I had to get hold of more databases and I realized that I need to have an audience mm. before I do these things. Yeah. yeah. So I developed my LinkedIn and I became a LinkedIn influencer okay. way back then. Um, so, you know, I had like 40,000 uh, followers and connections like on LinkedIn. Mm, yeah. Even seven years ago. Damn, man. So I hope you're sharing this episode on LinkedIn. Then. Yeah, I will yeah. do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so uh, hi, LinkedIn I, fans. <laughs> it's me again. Um, so I, I have a question. Who's yeah. managing your instagram right now is it you or your team so, like responding to comments and things oh that's me okay, okay because you're i mean taking a, sl- a slight detour here but you're very good at that because yeah. of course we stalked you before this episode and stuff so every single almost every single person that has commented on your last picture with burj khalifa the the eid picture every single one you've been very good at maintaining that relationship where you're like uh what are you doing with your acting right now or do you have cool stuff coming out as well or you have a really good feed so like and and active, it's active, it's very active much engagement. active engagement mm. very personalized and i was like wow this is really interesting yeah. because we keep talking about nurturing relationships and how that helps your startup but this was seeing it in action yeah. so well yeah i mean listen you hear a lot of people um saying oh i want you know i want more engagement I want more um, uh, more followers. But if you don't care about the people who already give Follow. a damn about you, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, like, don't... Ex- then it's just a number, yeah. Don't expect other people to. So, yeah. I, by the way, I just want to touch on something. Um, yeah. Because and you and said I think that. people don't realize how much time and effort goes into growing an audience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, but he's doing a good job of maintaining that audience. True. Is, is yeah. The, yeah the no, I always do No, that. but that's time, right? Like, you need yeah, to spend time. time. Like, people sure. think, like, oh, I've posted a picture every day and now, uh, like, no, my Instagram's not growing. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's these kind of things that, in, yeah. like, you know, going into other people's profiles, talking yeah, so to them. Yeah. I mean, look, I can't remember everybody who, who comments. I've got a few people who I recognize because they comment frequently. frequently yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they feel they know me. Mm. And um, so I, I need to, like, if, if I don't care for them, mm. then I don't care for myself, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the point of me um, doing all this stuff on, yeah. on social media if I don't care for the people who actually are interested in what I'm doing? Yeah. Mm. Um, so somebody wrote um, on that one, cool edit, love it. And I and I had to take a little. I've seen her before, but I couldn't mm. remember who she was quite so much. So I took a little look at her mm-hmm. uh, page, and she says that she's into EDM, which is um, electric dance music, music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, and a few things like that. So I said, "Thanks, uh, thanks, Lovey. Which festivals are you going to this summer?" Mm. Was just just a guess. I just thought she'd be going to festivals. She's into EDM, <laughs> and she said. Um, in an hour, I'm heading to Chicago to Spring Awakening Festival. I'm super excited. Best of best DJ is going to be there. So sweet of you to remember what I love to do. If EDM <laughs> festivals happen in Dubai, I'm there, and you can teach me your famous dance moves. So <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> it, it, it makes a difference to people. When, sure. when you, I took a little bit of time, and I did that with everybody. Yeah. Take a little look, and, you know, whatever it is they're into, I'm trying to create a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it does two things. It makes them feel like... I'm important. important. Yeah, well. I'm important. There's an actual conversation going on, but also it creates a conversation that's more mm. engagement going on. So sure. it's good for your post. So, so I do that, and and also now um, I reply to all the almost all the messages that are sent to me. Mm-hmm. So I used to get a whole load of hey, 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 yeah. and and it's a little bit annoying to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of people that are messaging me, I'm like, I don't need to have a conversation with these people. Mm. Then I thought, well, 
this is it's similar to a comment. They're mm -hmm. reaching out because they like what I do. Yeah. So I started just, you know, I try and keep it short. I don't mm -hmm. have enough time in the day to be talking with everybody. Uh, but I'll send back like, thanks, mate, or whatever. Mm -hmm. okay. But it makes a big difference. Yeah, sure, yeah, for sure. And sometimes they have a little short conversation. It's not a big issue. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, it, Sometimes people do then be like, hey, when can we meet? Let's go for coffee. And, you know, then it's yeah, a little that's bit intrusive. Tough. Yeah, <laughs> Sid had that recently. It happens to me a couple of times, actually. And I do meet some people. Yeah. yeah. I do meet some people. Like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, one, one guy reached out to me, he said he's moving to Dubai and a lot of my content on YouTube is about living yeah, in Dubai. Yeah. So he reached out to me and he sent me a message saying that, you know, I'm moving to university in Dubai and I, and I watched all your videos and you're one of the reasons I'm moving to Dubai and can we please meet? And I was like, yeah, I'm busy. I just had a baby by yeah. the way, in case you guys didn't know. Yeah. So I have a little baby girl and uh you know i didn't want to get away from her so i told him no but he kept insisting so finally i said okay i'll meet you for a coffee for like yeah. 10 minutes so sometimes i do it but, but it was a good meeting but it was a good meeting yeah, yeah, it was yeah nice well meeting. you yeah. know what and here's the thing is is i realized that a lot of these people that they're great people. Mm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and, and yeah, you attract your tribe, right? Yeah, so. and 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 I mean, some of them look like great people, mm -hmm. but some of them don't necessarily look like great people on Instagram. But in person, they are they're great, great people. people yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I've realized, uh, so what I've done is I've I've realized it's a sensitive thing. If somebody asks to meet you, you can't say sorry, but I got no time. Mm. Yeah, they're your fan. Yeah, so you have to be careful about this. So I've put together a little bit of text <laughs> okay okay your, your go-to template yeah, yeah for all the people that i because honestly I, I i i just can't meet yeah of course time. no um, you your um, your time is your money right so absolutely yeah. so so what i do is i have a little bit of text i say listen I, I i'd really love to meet everybody that um you know is part you of my social out. media but unfortunately i just don't have time mm -hmm. uh however um i'm gonna let everybody know my Instagram stories where I'm going next. And if you'd like to come, I'd love to meet you there and mm. have a drink. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And, and and actually, I like that because sometimes people actually, they come Show up to me up. and I'm like, hey, you're the guy in Dubai. And I, I like speaking to them and then and there mm. because I'm out and about. That's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just... Uh, but carving out dedicated time. time dedicated to like time is, yeah. is difficult. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so sure. sorry, we took a little bit of a detour in terms of community management and <laughs> social and audience management. Okay, well, it's, it's about but, an audience. And, yeah. And the yeah. audience is... so. Audience is valuable. Mm -hmm. Eyeballs are valuable. So I had realized through my past businesses that there are certain networks mm -hmm. that already have those eyeballs. Mm -hmm. TV stations, mm -hmm. websites, mm -hmm. news publications, um, other people's social media channels. So all these ways they have eyeballs. Um, so I thought if I can create good quality content, mm -hmm. um, I can utilize their eyeballs. Mm -hmm based on a concept and some kind of pilot that I've done. Um, and with that, I can turn around and get sponsors. Mm -hmm. And because yeah. I've been in the business world, I knew how to do this. So, mm -hmm. you know, I knew how to pitch things and uh, get product placement on and things like this. Mm -hmm. So what we did to set off is we created four pilot videos, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and that was basically for us to be able to tell show people this is what we mean when we mm. say guy in Dubai this crazy adventurer who goes around doing all these fun things because if you allow it to their imagination they want to take it one way or another or you know yeah so and I, you still want to have a control of creative output exactly once yeah. you once you sort of 
lay it in the sand, this is what we do, mm. then they can see it and understand. And then they're coming on board to that mm -hmm. right. know, rather than them saying, you know what we need? We need a guy who can go to restaurants and do this. Yeah. Um, because then now you're doing what Change they need. It, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we created four videos. Uh, in order to do that, you know, I had to work out an uh, arrangement with a guy who was a friend of mine. We'd worked on some videos in the past. It was, that was his forte was um, videos. And I said, you know, look, let's partner on this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I showed him my plan mm -hmm. and he, he believed in it. You know, he believed that there was money to be made. Mm -hmm. So we did, um, we did four videos. Mm -hmm. Uh, after that, we started having conversations pretty quickly with mm -hmm. OSN. Okay. However, the conversation when, the, from when the conversation started till when we actually went live with them was maybe seven or eight months. Okay. So it took some time. Um, yeah, but that's how it works. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, we but know that's that not the bad. The lead yeah. time is is long. Yeah. Six yeah. seven months is not bad. And one of the things I realized, you see, with TV, TV companies license content mm -hmm. if it's exclusive content. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, if you are in the social media world and you put your videos out on vlogs, you can't then sell that as an exclusive content to anyone. Mm -hmm. The idea about exclusive content is, is if you have something of high value that mm. people will come to watch that people will have to come to subscribe to their channel or watch mm -hmm. their channel in order to view that content yeah hence why things like you know if we take it to an extreme level things like game of thrones mm -hmm. yeah. which have such massive value check <laughs> I don't think that the snoring is being picked up. Is, is the, can anyone else hear the dog snoring? <laughs> is it it's being not, picked up? In slightly. The that last one came out. Exactly yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, She's not part of your audience. Yeah. No. So essentially, TV channels will pay huge sums of money to Game of Thrones to have it because they know the whole yeah. world almost, except for me because I don't watch it. <gasps> is, yeah, I don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to switch to that channel. Mm -hmm. So it has pool power in terms of bringing subscribers or viewers, right? Yeah, sure. we got Wavo because of it. You got Wavo. I mean... Well, there we go, I'm on Wavo. So yeah. I pulled you Wavo, okay. Wavo. I call it Wavo, you're Wavo. Okay. okay. Um, so yeah, so so that's the idea is... is um, um, they, they all have different models in terms of how they monetize these mm. on-demand platforms or they're called SVODs, subscription mm. video on-demand platforms, same as, okay. same as Netflix. Okay. They work on subscriptions. Mm. So, um, you know, as many subscribers as possible, the more money they have. Right. They're ad advert free. Mm. Um, then you've got traditional TV, which is free to watch, but they have adverts. adverts yeah. So they're more about viewership. Mm. So in either way, that's how it works. So, um, so essentially, uh, what I wanted to create was something a level above what vlogging is, because mm -hmm. vlogging is very casual, um, you know, and and in not order high to production generally. Yeah, yeah, it's mid level production. Mid -level I mean, because production. vlogging is usually a one man or maybe a two man job. Yeah. yeah. So you can't have the level of production quality that like a TV show might have. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest difference is if you want to succeed on YouTube. Mm. You need to be creating regular content. Yeah. Yeah. On any social media yeah. platform. At least now, once or twice a week. Yeah. yeah. You need to be creating like, because it's about feeding people mm. like, yeah. uh, and, and, the, and the vloggers who have done the best are the daily vloggers. Yeah. yeah. Right. So 
the thing is, you can't create a video every day and create something epic every day. Yeah. Yeah. You can't Unless create... you're Casey Neistat. Uh, Unless you're Casey we like Neistat. Casey Neistat. Yeah, no, I'll, 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 but even that. Casey Neistat, you'll see there's some filler some filler episodes yeah, in there. Because yeah. like it's impossible. You can't you can't be creative and have amazing production quality every, every single, single day. day. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. Well, you know what he's very good at is he's a very good storyteller. Yeah. yeah. And that and that means that he can tell a story and essentially he can do that no matter matter what his day is yeah but if, what i had in terms of my vision for this character guy in dubai remember remember this has come from me figuring out what i want to do with my life and mm. me wanting to do crazy extreme sports and traveling mm. and everything mm. so in order for me to do that and i wanted to take it to a, another level i had to orchestrate big things mm -hmm. so like for example so one of the things that i did was i powerboat raced the world's fastest powerboat the victory team. i saw that one yeah oh that's cool so things like that I can't just pull that those things off every day. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, if I'm busy every day creating videos, I'm not going to have time to orchestrate those types of things. So, yeah. so I wanted to do something less frequent but higher quality. And then mm. that allowed me to basically get into the TV world because mm -hmm. they need something of higher production quality. Mm -hmm. They need, um, you know, the sound has to be very good, the, the, you know, the video editing, the mm -hmm. um the the managing of emotions through the video has mm -hmm. to be thought about mm -hmm. yeah. so um so that's where i wanted to play mm -hmm. um and hence i haven't put our full episodes on social media because mm -hmm. if i did yeah then, it loses its value then nobody yeah. licenses it yeah. Right? yeah so um there will be a point when i will but okay. that's when we've created more new content i'll put the old content up okay right. so the plan with guy in dubai was never to be a social media influencer it was to be a tv personality or um, it was create a TV a, a, show. A create or create a TV show. Because a lot of people are like are exactly yeah. where you are, where you're like, I want to do new things and, and uh, have access to new experiences and collect all these cool experiences and I want that to be my life. But a lot of people go about it in the way of yeah. being a social media influencer. So, so I would say it was my strategy rather than my goal. It was my strategy to go for <clears throat> TV kind of production, whether mm. that was going to be a web series or a subscription video on demand or TV or mm. things like, uh, so we also, uh, as well as Emirates Airlines, we also license to hotels directly. So oh, okay. they, they play it on their room TVs. Okay. So these kind of deals, I kind of package them all under TV. Okay. It's not strictly TV. Okay. But, um, uh, but to use uh, to to basically create things for TV because mm -hmm. that would be the quality content that I could mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. But to use social media to promote that, yeah, and to do because you the thing sure. is, is you need to manage the both, yeah, yeah, um, and that's so. So now we have two two kind of productions. We have our social media vlogging that goes on, which is covering everyday stuff, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, something like what we did, or is that going to be a TV show? That will be a but, show. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. So in case you guys don't know, um, uh, I run my own YouTube channel as well. And we did a collaboration together kind of thing. Uh, we did uh, Aqua Fun, which is this uh, the world's largest inflatable water park. And uh, we played some tag on yeah. that. Cat and mouse. <laughs> it, Cat it, and mouse. It was a very good video. So. It was cool. Yeah. I've seen yeah. yours. Yeah. So I'm my, my video is already on YouTube if you guys want to go check it out. Um, and and uh, uh, this your is video coming is on... going to be on... Uh, so ours will be uh, most likely on Emirates Airlines. Uh, okay. We will do a version for social media. Okay. okay. So so we so this is how we do it. We use the TV stuff where we create 10-minute videos. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do like a one or two-minute 
video edit for social, mm. okay. which will be done a little like bit differently. Like a teaser. Yeah. Okay. okay cool. It'll be a little bit quicker. There won't necessarily be so much uh, uh, storyline, but we can create something short from it. Yeah. So cool. you're catering content based on attention span of viewers as well yeah. in the channel, in the yeah. medium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, so, uh, so these video on demand platforms, mm. do they pay you per view or is it like, oh, because they have exclusive access to your content? It's, uh, it's a fixed like a retainer or something. Well, I think they all work in a slightly different manner. So I can only tell you how mine worked. I basically got paid the model was i would get paid per minute of video that i licensed mm -hmm. so it was a flat license fee well based on how long the video was basically mm -hmm. okay uh, my videos are between eight and ten minutes so i we'd get paid that up front there was no trail commission on terms of viewership or anything like that okay now okay netflix i believe works a slightly different way where it's a little bit more performance related in terms of how many people are watching it as well mm -hmm. okay um, so I think they have a kind of uh, a, a measurement of how they apportion some of that too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the way Netflix works, there's a lot of data science behind the way it works with recommendations, with yeah. viewership. So I can imagine that the way that they pay their uh, content creators and when they're producing their own is also related to minutes of watch time, how often, yeah. Yeah. things like that. So, yeah. yeah, so there is also two different types of models. So mm -hmm. you have commissioning and licensing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you've heard of Netflix originals, that's commissioning. Okay. Commissioning is where they'll give you the money up front based on your script and your idea. Okay. But they have co-production rights to that. So essentially, they're going to give you the money to go produce it but they have veto rights yeah well they they, they have control first, the production a little first bit. of all they have licensing rights for their whole platform mm -hmm. yeah. and then you're not really allowed to license it anywhere else mm -hmm. but they unless it's in agreement with them and they will take a cut of that too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so essentially you co-own it because yeah. they've invested in it yeah. Yeah. now if you don't have money that's a great way to do it because you know you need the money for production the other way is you take on the cost or you somehow figure out how to do that, yeah. which is this is the model well, that i you use. use okay uh now i fund it through sponsorship okay. so you can get product placement yeah um, we've got tourism boards who who help us out and things like this because ours is very much tourist related but then you own the content mm -hmm. and you can license it wherever you want mm -hmm. essentially i mean you might license it to one company uh tv station who might take exclusivity mm -hmm. for satellite television across the middle east yeah but you can then if you go and license it to another category so another region or another mm. category of tv mm. um you know um that's all your money you don't yeah. have okay. to split that with anybody okay so tomorrow if netflix came and said we want to pick up your show you'd be able to do that yeah. no issues. because you don't have exclusivity license you have yeah okay. so i had and also exclusivity is also for a period of time yeah right. so, like it's like uh, when you do production and there's usage rights right exactly so yeah. so i have um my deal with osm was an exclusive arrangement okay. for the middle east but it was a for a certain time for a certain time right. yeah. now i managed to negotiate mine down to a very short time which allowed okay. me to then do more yeah um uh but yes essentially um uh, that then that doesn't stop me from doing anything with airlines or hotels because that's considered okay. a different category. Category, right? Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, uh, your target audience is tourists and people uh, 
looking to find out what experiences you can have in Dubai. So you're hitting all those, yeah. you're hitting the areas where that audience is present, where, yeah. the, where you get those eyeballs. Essentially, if, if you're good at licensing and you can license to many places, you can actually make a lot of money that way because you can license multiple times. You can essentially sure. resell stuff. Mm-hmm. You can, so you have one content produced once and you make money off it multiple ways, multiple times. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the word video asset, which mm-hmm. is what they started calling it to me in TV, mm-hmm. um, started to make sense. Mm-hmm. You've created a video, it's an asset, because now you can juice that asset mm-hmm. by licensing it to many places. Where on social media, it's a video and it's gone. Yeah. yeah. And it's not really an asset anymore. I mean, maybe on YouTube, you consider it slightly an asset because sometimes they pick it's up over time. It's lifetime value. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at things like Instagram, you create a content and within, you know, 10 days, it's kind of depleted. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Or a story. That, and that's why I prefer YouTube to Instagram because it's got longer, uh, got a longer lifespan. Yeah. And that's why we started the podcast as well, because we see some of our older episodes getting traction over time. Yeah. So I, I like uh, platforms where uh, the content keeps getting eyeballs over time. So whether that's a blog, whether that's, uh, you know, YouTube, whether that's a podcast, it's great when the content organically performs well yeah. and, and yeah. you create evergreen content. So not super topical. Mm. Um, so then you know, this this conversation is just as relevant a year from now, Five right? Years from now, yeah. Five yeah. years from now. Exactly. exactly. If the topic or the person or the discussion uh, is, is, is adding is value. Yeah, and It picks up over time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's our whole content marketing uh, strategy and uh, for essentially this for this show. <laughs> yeah. um, but essentially it was started to uh, promote his business, which is uh, his startup, which is a jar car. So, so tell it's, me. It's got multi, multi, uh, multiple reasons. Yeah, and we get to have conversations with interesting people like yourselves. So, yeah. yeah. So, so tell me that. something then, because I'm a video guy and I... You know, obviously I know about podcasts and I decided, you know what, I feel rightly or wrongly that video is the most powerful media yeah. of all medias. Now, I know there's a uh, a gap in the market for um, podcasts, lots of people listening, mm-hmm. not so many people creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can understand that. But what would be your advice to somebody like me or what would be your thoughts behind podcasting? as as a useful tool to market yourself so uh, the advantage of podcasts is um, a couple of things first of all it's a replacement for radio right so you got to think of it in that way so it's uh, usually somebody who's driving to work who's going to be listening to it it's a little bit more long format so you can get deep into conversation like this episode it's, is probably going to be about 40 minutes long right yeah. 30 to 40 minutes long and we've seen our statistics people actually listen for more than 50 to 60 percent on average wow. so so Which is a long time that they're spending with you yeah right. so they're listening to you for 10 to 15 minutes 20 minutes so in that way it, it helps you establish that connection a bit more it's a bit more real. And I think uh, as people are moving more and more towards streaming platforms, you choose what you want to listen to, right? Yes. Rather than being on the radio where you're just consuming whatever's on. Like it could be music, it could be a talk show. Here. Yeah. So uh, so it's kind of moving towards like how YouTube did for video, like podcasting has become the audio version of that. Right. And uh, people listening to music on apps like Spotify and Angami, which also promote podcasts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great thing. The thing is that I think podcasting is very interesting because it's, uh, 
you can listen to a podcast passively so it could be something that you're doing while you're driving while you're walking your dog and it doesn't require you to be looking at your screen yeah, so yeah it's a passive way to consume yeah i i do it when i straighten my hair like i mean it's so it's a really good right, way yes i do this or even if it's a youtube video but i'm just listening yeah. yeah i will have my airpods in and i'll be making breakfast or what have yeah, you so, yeah so so just as easily a lot of people shift to podcasts usually when they have longer commutes so people that are driving down from dubai to abu dhabi are more likely to listen to podcasts because to cover that drive time to gain some information so podcasting a lot of people listen to podcasts for entertainment but more so for information and education yeah so it depends the entertainment entertainment is the key so can you tell us aside from gaind by being the tv show what else does gaind by media production cover yes well we do everything in video production oh yeah everything in video production so i mean and that can be applied in many ways so we do okay. social media production so we obviously okay. do our own social media but we do social media for companies okay um we do corporate videos um pretty much anything that we can do with with video cameramen. content yeah okay um and then um uh we we are also producing a show for someone else okay. uh where they're the presenter and they they're kind of producing it and we just do the the production okay um and that's cool Uh, yeah that's that's fun um so yeah actually you know i would like to, to produce more shows that maybe are not necessarily us i mean guy in dubai's got i'm the host of it as well yeah um i can't be everywhere so we yeah. we can also produce other people's shows then um you know because of the um publicity i got through the show i mm. often get invited to do live events hosting okay. so i hosted the burj khalifa fireworks at new year so that was a big event you know oh, nice. oh, wow. yeah that, cool. that was huge for imar so uh things like that are, are good you know i i used to turn my nose up to that stuff and say oh no i don't do live hosting but now i've realized my profile fits it yeah mm-hmm. i'm quite good at it Mm-hmm. and um you know it's it's it gets a bit of publicity and it's you know so I, and you know what, it pays quite well so okay um, great uh so i so do it so closer to the pot of gold now yeah okay yeah cool. yeah yeah well, but also you know now now that we so in january i took on investment we hired staff mm-hmm. so you know i can't be so picky about what i do Mm. you're responsible for all those people oh yeah you know they're kind of relying on me to churn over some money uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know i'm relying on them but you know i've got a get out there and do it too. Mm-hmm. So uh these things are are good. Um so I quite like these live hosting things. And it's interesting because each event is different. Mm-hmm. Um you know one time we went to a construction site uh for for um Marjid Afatame for one mm-hmm. of the new malls and I was basically hosting everybody taking them around you know with my construction hat on and okay. it was kind of kind of interesting and funny and uh so it's very very different to okay. uh you know hosting new year. Okay, great. Um So, uh I just want to check with you. How was that uh experience of being on camera? Was it weird to begin with? Uh, like did you have to build up that uh confidence? That confidence to be on camera initially? Yes, absolutely. Um I I think I got a video of me when I first did it and I I can't even watch it. <laughs> yeah. I was so stiff. Yeah. Uh but you know the way you get better is you look at yourself and you realize how stiff you are yeah. mm-hmm. and then you um the more you do the more relaxed you get. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key because then you start coming out a bit more and you know you, your personality comes through. Mm-hmm. But yeah like um uh I've I've we could see the progression from start to where we are now mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot better. um you know just n- knowing how expressive 
to be mm. yeah. um, mm. knowing how your body language comes across yeah you know and the best thing to do is you know i watch the videos and i analyze and you know i'm always unhappy about something and mm. you know you take it on and then you remember it the next time yeah um yeah. also it's about managing other people because mm. now that i've got quite comfortable in front of camera mm. when i'm interviewing someone else they're not necessarily that comfortable mm. yeah. and you know sometimes i find they're turning their head so i realize that I give them a little brief before I say, mm. okay, we're going to keep this very short. It's going to be mm. about 30 seconds. So mm. when I ask you, I need you to be concise. I need you to face the camera. Mm. I need to speak about this for, you know, because you know, they don't know all this stuff so that yeah. I, uh, cause yeah. if I just start and go off, they, they don't necessarily know. So, yeah. so True. managing other people in the video is, is, is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when Sid started doing his videos, it's very different <laughs> from now. And now he oh, can, he can uh, shoot a video and edit it very quickly. And he's just really comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. And he also tells me that uh, when you're doing video, you need to be like the overexcited, overly animated version of yourself. Yeah. Because the video will always... Uh, Take away energy. Take away your... energy a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You really gotta, you know, put it Brody, on. Uh, I'd, I'd say the camera uh, adds ten kgs and removes like ten percent of your ten percent of your energy. So yeah. it's it's great for your self confidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you've recorded Startup Hustle podcast episodes while very very pregnant. Yeah. Uh, and now like one month in. So yeah. 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 So the, uh, the the hardest thing I still find is actually um, doing the kind of filming yourself and talking because mm. you're more concerned about everyone else around. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes oh, I'll I have no shame now. Yeah. I have no yeah. Shame. So you see, so you're probably better at that than I am because I I still have a bit of trouble sort of. Placing yourself and, exactly. and how it looks, how yeah. it makes you look. Yeah. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, I find it strange when there's a camera person. You know, uh, like yeah. uh, when when somebody else is controlling the camera, I find it weird. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so so I'm used to that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm used to that now, and actually, it's uh, it's funny because um, uh, my business partner pushes this more. He's like, okay, right. Even if you're not filming something, I want the cameras on Paris because I want people asking, yeah. <laughs> who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's like, make sure you got the micro, the big microphone on, and the big yep. lens. Yep. Isn't that what happened to us though? You know, uh, the thing about how we met was uh, I was at a dinner at uh, Capital Club Club in DIFC and uh, I saw this, uh, I saw Paris with a cameraman and I was just curious because like his setup looked like a vlogging setup. So I just asked him like, uh, are you guys shooting uh, like for YouTube or something? Because, you know, I'm a YouTuber. So so that's how I actually got introduced to to him. So I guess it works. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely (laughs) works. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, draws attention. Um, yeah. I just need a big. I need Mahel to wear a t-shirt. Guy in Dubai. He's got <laughs> yep. his business cards. So, yep. um, so yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, great. So, um, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. So, to the end of the show, we usually ask people, um, you know, what advice they'd have for new entrepreneurs, or yeah. for what would you like to share with other entrepreneurs? Well, I think one of the things I shared already mm-hmm. um, is about finding your passion. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe our passions change over time. Mm. So, and but certainly when we leave university and we're conditioned to think that we want to be Mr. Successful and Mr. Billionaire and the next Bill Gates, uh, you have to go through a few experiences to realize that life is much more deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you maybe you find your passion. And I think then once you've found your passion, 
you need to ensure that you do your passion with no other distractions and that's the only thing you do mm, um, okay. no plan b's just got to make the passion work mm. um, okay. and keep going no matter how hard it is because you will continue with your passion like steve jobs said mm-hmm. any rational person would give up mm-hmm. if they're not passionate about it so um i think that's what will give you the edge over everybody else the fact that you will continue doing it uh through the tough times yeah that's what counts um, the tenacity yeah exactly i mean it, i mean tenacity is a trait in us as humans but also depending on what you're doing you can be so much more tenacious mm. with something that you love exactly because you love it right yeah so, so I, I i think that you know is, is a, a very simple and basic uh piece of advice but mm. actually realizing what you're really passionate about um took some time it Mm. it took me 30 years Mm -hmm. um and then actually putting it to process took a couple more years before i actually did it Mm. and now you know it's i'm doing what i love to do um starting to make money Mm -hmm. but i'm you know not making huge money just yet Mm. but you know time is the friend yeah mm. when 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 you're doing something that mm. you're passionate about if you're doing something you're unpassionate about time is you your won't enemy. put in the time yeah. yeah you know so so basically i know i'm on the roll now yeah. you know it, like it's just going to continue and it's going to get, get bigger and bigger and, and time will start to reward mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what i'm doing but um yeah yeah they say on average like most businesses take three to four years before they start um really firing you know yeah. like on on all cylinders so yeah. if you don't have the passion i do, i think most people fail to reach that point, point of three to, to four years yeah yeah till they really start seeing the business yeah. succeed yeah 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 so no more running to the gym to save on taxi fare yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't yeah. have to do that anymore but you yeah. know what uh the if, grind's important i think yeah but if if i go if if things financially go wrong mm-hmm I'm willing to continue to keep pursuing because, you know, like, this is what I love doing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and you've done it before. So yeah. you're like, I can do it again. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was thrilling for me when, when I didn't even have much filming going on and I was still trying to get it off the ground. Now I'm certain visions of the dream are happening. Yeah. Uh, have happened. And yeah. some of them have freakily happened almost exactly like I wanted them to happen. Okay. Uh, some of these things were actual episodes that we created, like mm. the Victory Team episode where mm. I was racing the world's fastest powerboat. That was a dream I had like three years before when I saw uh, people racing these things in Abu Dhabi and I was like, I'm going to drive one of these in <laughs> a show. That's but cool. other things were things like business meetings mm. where I knew who was going to be in the room and how it was going to be mm-hmm. and and that I was going to be talking with these people and, and signing deals and that happened as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so parts of the vision have started to become a reality and there's much, much more mm. that I have planned that will start to become a reality. Yeah, it's motivating when you see certain things come come into play and then you're like okay i'm headed in the right direction my passion's paying off yeah you know yeah, yeah. that's awesome on that note uh, i think we're going to wind up this podcast uh, you can find uh you can find him on um guy yeah. in dubai pretty much everywhere yeah, yeah. Uh, social channels are all guy in dubai so youtube and instagram and all that so okay follow yeah. guy in dubai and uh, linkedin it's paris uh, not paris norris paris norris yeah 
Um, and uh, yeah, uh, because we use Anchor, you can leave a voice message for Paris as well. And we can have him on the show, maybe post uh, Emirates, guy in Dubai. Yeah. Um, and he can answer your questions related to production. If you're a business looking for a motivational speaker or an MC, someone hosting the event or for video production, you can get in touch with Guy in Dubai. And yeah. yeah, we'll have all his links in the description so you can go find it over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like this episode, make sure you leave us a rating if you're listening to us on a podcast platform or if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit that like button. We produce this content all the time, at least uh, twice a month. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was once a week. Now we have a baby girl, so it's twice a month. So it's kind of slipped to twice a month. Yeah. But uh, but we try to be regular. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Keep Super. on awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me on. Cool. Keep on hustling. <laughs>